Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, I hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. Do want to let you know that today's episode of Locked On Titans is brought to you by Built Bar. I had one of their chocolate salted caramel bars this morning, got me ready to go. Check them out at www.builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. But I do want to talk some housekeeping and, and get some things in order before we we jump into today's content. I had been talking with you guys last week about some draft breakdowns I had in the works, some previous draft class reviews and grades that we were going to get into in the coming weeks, but but a change of schedule has arrived. We are going to do a uh, division crossover of sorts the next few weeks with our other hosts from some other locked on Podcast. So the Titans obviously have their opponents plotted out already for the 2020 season. So we are going to talk to some of the hosts from the shows of the Titans opponents coming up in the 2020 season. And we are starting this week with the NFC North. And today's show is the Minnesota Vikings. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off the show talking about the big decision on Sunday where the Titans decided on the fifth-year options of Corey Davis and Adoree Jackson. We previewed that decision on Friday's show. We got the news over the weekend of what the Titans decided to do. So we are going to break that down. And so we are going to talk about all the different ramifications of those decisions in our first segment. And then we are going to jump into a good conversation with Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings to talk about the Titans and the Vikings upcoming matchup, where each team sits right now through their offseason, the middle of the offseason here heading into the summer months. So I hope you guys enjoy that conversation with Luke Braun. The next few days we will have an NFC North host on the show to talk about their team and then Friday we will pick back up with a typical Friday show. We'll do this for the next few weeks before we get into our draft breakdowns and draft class grades. So just wanted to give you guys an update on the schedule there before we jump into today's show. Once again the show is brought to you in part by BuiltBar.com. I implore you guys to check out their awesome tasting bars. So we will talk a little bit more about that later, but the Corey Davis and Adoree Jackson decisions are in. So let's talk about those first before we get into an awesome conversation with Luke from the Locked On Vikings. Very excited to jump into another week of podcasts with you guys. Let's get it. until Sunday's deadline to make a decision on Corey Davis and Adoree Jackson and their fifth-year options for 2021. The Titans got that decision done early on in the weekend and, as expected, declined Corey Davis's fifth-year option for 2021 that would have paid him north of $15 million for the season and accepted Adoree Jackson's fifth-year option that will pay him $10.2 million for the 2021 season. As I mentioned, these were the expected outcomes 
Corey Davis has been a solid receiver in his career, but he has yet to live up to a fifth overall pick in the type of talent and production that you expect from that sort of draft selection. So it made all the sense in the world that the Titans would forego his fifth year and allow him to become an unrestricted free agent after the 2020 season. Now, as I mentioned on Friday in our update, the the Titans could be staring at an empty bag after this season if Corey Davis's production uh, takes a big increase here, if he finally showcases the type of talent that got him drafted fifth overall, then of course the Titans could be in a tough position, but it is a difficult thing to imagine that Corey Davis would produce to the level that he would need to to justify a $15 million contract in 2021. So even if Corey Davis has the best year of his career, it still most likely would not justify the Titans picking up his fifth-year option. So it made all the sense to see Corey Davis's option get declined, and hopefully with a second year with Ryan Tannehill, he can improve and help the team. But at this moment in time, it appears that Corey Davis will no longer be on the Titans after next season unless he has a, another subpar year and the Titans find a way to extend him at a more reasonable price. But it does leave you with the question, at this moment in time, similar to Marcus Mariota, would Corey Davis just like a change of scenery to hopefully maximize his potential as a player rather than accepting maybe a, a secondary receiver role going forward? But we do know that there is the option and some, some general rumors that Corey Davis could be traded. I don't expect that to be the case because the Titans should be pushing all in for 2020 and using this core of players to try to make another long Super Bowl run, and you would need Corey Davis to do that, but that is still something that, that we could see down the road. And another thing to consider with Corey Davis, if the Titans do let him leave after 2020 and he's an unrestricted free agent and he decides to go to another team and gets a, a decent, reasonable sized contract, well, that could reward the Titans with another compensatory draft pick. Uh, probably not a third rounder like Jack Conklin, but maybe a fourth or fifth round selection and any extra ammo for John Robinson in the draft is what the Titans need. As for Adoree Jackson, he has had up and down moments in his career. He came into the league as more of an athlete than a cornerback, but he has progressed with his technique. He has become the best cornerback on the Titans, and his speed allows him to match up with some of the more dangerous threats around the NFL. He will be vital to the Titans' defense going forward as they transition to a more press man style. So Adoree Jackson at $10.2 million in 2021 makes all the sense in the world for the Titans and it was expected that they would pick up his fifth-year extension, and that's exactly what we saw. So that's a big deadline out of the way for the Titans as they continue to progress through the offseason. But we will continue to progress throughout today's show as well. And next, we have a conversation with Luke Braun, host of the Locked On Vikings podcast. The Titans do play the Vikings later on this year in Minnesota. So it was good to kind of get an update from Luke on where he stands with the Vikings all season, how the Titans and the Vikings match up as they sit right now. Obviously, we will talk again during the regular season as the game approaches, but good to kind of check in 
with our NFC opponents here and see how their all seasons are going. So we are going to jump into a conversation with Luke next. We will have the rest of the NFC North opponents on each of the next shows throughout the week. So make sure that you are locked into the Locked On Titans podcast and subscribe on Apple. Follow us on Spotify, whatever service you use to stream your podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Locked On Titans podcast and follow me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. I think that some of the video breakdowns that I have been working on that I expected to roll out this week that I'm not in lieu of the division conversations, I think I might still put those out on Twitter and we can have our conversations about them when we have time on the schedule to do that. But I have been working diligently on those Tic Tac Titans film breakdowns. So follow me on Twitter to make sure to get those as soon as they roll out. But with that in mind, we are going to move into a conversation with Luke from the Locked On Vikings podcast next. Before we get into that conversation with Luke, though, I want to tell you guys about Built Bar. And I know, I know, usually when you hear about a protein bar, they're going to tell you it tastes good. They're going to tell you it's healthy. And they always let you down. It's very crumbly. You're going to get crumbs everywhere. It's going to be very dry. It's like eating dust a lot of the time with these protein bars. And they tell you that they taste good and they never really do. But Built Bar is different. And I'm being as honest as I can possibly be with you about the surprise level that I had when I bit into their salted caramel chocolate bar this morning to start off my day. It was delicious. It was almost like eating a candy bar and I can't tell you how good it feels to actually enjoy healthy food and the best part about Built Bar is it gives you two things and it delivers on those two things. That's all I really want out of my protein bar. The built bars are tasty. It's a protein bar, but like I said, it tastes almost like a candy bar. They have 16 amazing flavors. There's eight chocolate nut-based flavors. There's eight chocolate nut-free flavors for anybody who has nut-related allergies. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and this is real chocolate folks. You can taste the difference. This isn't some sort of artificially flavored, processed, watered down chocolate bar. This is real chocolate. It has that real chocolate taste to it. And I enjoy that as well. And it's not one of those crunchy, crumbly, uh, hard to eat, dry bars. It's soft. It's chewy. There's a very delicate texture in the middle that allows you to enjoy eating it and and not become a general mess while you're eating it. And We could talk about taste all day, but the fact is you're going after a protein bar because you need it to be healthy. And if we're going to talk about health, then Built Bar is going to put you at the top of the list. It's great for health conscious guys or gals. It'll help you lose or maintain weight. And it also has that that taste to it that, like I said, it's like you're eating a candy bar. So you can lose, maintain weight, be health conscious while still actually enjoying the food that you're eating. The bars are low calorie, they're low sugar, they're high protein, they're high fiber. I mean, talk about peanut butter brownie, which is another one that I'm really excited to dive into. I've been really getting on the salted caramel so far. It's so good. Uh, But the peanut butter brownie, 20 grams of protein, only 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. For you guys out there that like mint, 
There's a mint brownie, 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. I mean, what more could you ask for out of a protein bar? And I don't mean to spend the entire episode talking to you about protein bars, but it's just delicious. Once again, taste. It's the best tasting protein bar that I've ever personally had. It is kind of hard to explain how good it is. Real chocolate, good flavors. Check it out. That's that's all I'm telling you. You will be very surprised by how good of a protein bar this is. And you don't need a bottle of water by your side to wash it down because it's so dry. It's not gritty. There's no aftertaste. It's just delicious. It's just good. And once again, taste isn't the only component. The health version, macros. Look at your macros here. Amazing combination. It's low calorie. It's high protein. It's low sugar. No crazy additives. And if you compare it to like a Cliff Bar, it's half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar, and more protein. What else could you want from a protein bar? So all I'm telling you to do is, if you care about your health and your taste buds, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and get $10 off your first box at www.builtbar.com. BuiltBar.com. Once again, the promo code is locked on and you'll get $10 off your first box. Make sure you follow them on Instagram at I'm Built and on Twitter at Bar underscore Built to get their latest offers. But once again, that promo code is locked on at BuiltBar.com for $10 off your first box. And just as a reminder for you guys, on May the 10th, they are putting out a bunch of new flavors like chocolate cookie dough, mango, peach cobbler. So there's a lot of different flavors on there that you can get into. And like I said, they taste good. They're good for you. Why else would you go anywhere else? Get built with Built Bar. Okay, I am here, Luke Braun, with Locked On Vikings. I'm here with Tyler Rowland, Locked On Titans. What's going on, Tyler? You know, just uh, in, enjoying uh, the the home life, obviously, that most of us have, have been doing for quite some time, but it's been a, a good weekend, and uh, look forward to our conversation, talking some football with you, Luke. Yeah, what even our pants? <laughs> <laughs> right, at this point, who needs them? Yeah. So uh, I guess we're going to start this off. I'm just going to ask you a few questions about the Titans. Obviously, the Vikings and Titans are going to play at some point this year. We'll probably find out soon-ish. Uh, I don't know actually when. I think they just postponed the schedule release. Uh, but we'll find out soon-ish when they actually play. But uh, this team, I think uh, the Titans are coming to Minnesota this year. So I guess our teams kind of have a couple of interesting parallels. Obviously, the way that 2019 went. Um, you know, six seeds that kind of uh, went a lot further than they were supposed to, kind of pulled off the comeback thing. They run very, very similar offenses. Um, so I guess one of my questions for you is with Derek Henry, because we also have Dalvin Cook here. So we both kind of have this idea of, you know, you extended your guy. We're talking about it. Uh, so tell me about the Derrick Henry extension and, and his role on the offense and just like, what's the vibe there when it comes to like extending a running back? Cause I know that's like a whole thing. Well, obviously there's a, 
a philosophical debate waging online at all times about uh, how to treat running backs and contract situations. And obviously for the Titans, it's a precarious situation because all of the data and all of the examples would point to not extending a running back long-term. And right now, obviously the Titans have Derrick Henry on the franchise tag and they're working on an extension and, you know, that they have until July 15th, the deadline to get an extension done for this year. And while, like I said, most of the data and examples that we have of, of you know, the, the highest paid running backs recently that you could point to would tell you not to do that. Derrick Henry feels like a different kind of situation. Um, the physical specimen that he is combined with his off the field work ethic, it kind of makes him a little bit different than some of the previous examples that we have seen recently. So I would expect the Titans to extend Derrick Henry long-term by the deadline. Um, and if not, then I would understand because of the examples that we meant, but he is the foundation of the offense. And while you do need Ryan Tannehill and his accomplishments last season and his impact on the team is sold short by most in the media, it seems, because most people just watched the Titans in the playoffs and saw Derrick Henry carry the team. But Tannehill is, is his partner in crime there, and they need each other to really take this offense to where it needs to be for them to build upon last season. So while that extension for Derrick Henry is very important and you know until July 15th there's still a possibility there but having Tannehill back in the fold too is an important extension of its own so right now I would say most people want Derrick Henry back as do I but I mean I can understand if the Titans decide to maybe play it out one more year on the franchise tag I can definitely see that uh and you know the Vikings have a guy on the franchise tag too and and it's the same conversation do you extend him do you trade him what do you do um, I, I, you brought up Brian Tannehill though. And that's kind of the other thing I'm curious about with the Titans, because I mean, this obviously this like reclamation project. He seemed to be, you know, have his foot halfway out of the door to the league. And now he's back and he takes over for Marcus Mariota. Uh, and, and he actually, you know, kind of gives the, like injects some life into the franchise in that back half. And, you know, you have this wide zone scheme that the Titans are running over there. Um, and of course, I, I don't know what offensive line you guys have though. That's what I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested in that if we have time, but I, I really want to talk about, uh, Ryan Tannehill and, you know, analytics crowd absolutely loves the performance he put in. And it's a very like sustainable way with completion percentage over expectation, which is basically, did you complete passes more often than passes that are that hard are completed? It's a little bit more sophisticated than completion percentage, but I think it's still pretty intuitive. You know, if you complete a whole bunch of deep passes, that probably means you're pretty good at this, but there's still a lot of that bootleg, a lot of that wide zone. Um, so I, I guess I would love to know, I mean, how is that kind of uh, configuration coming along? I mean, is Ryan Tannehill the long-term guy for the Tennessee Titans, or is this something where you're starting to look up, you know, the, the quarterbacks in the next couple of draft classes, or were you talking about maybe like Javis Winston, maybe like Cam Newton to come in and compete, or is Ryan Tannehill like the guy let's do it 10 years. Well, I think at this moment in time, it's obvious that the way that the organ the Titans organization has spoken about Tannehill, how he has spoken about the team, that bringing in somebody like a, a Cam Newton or um, you know any kind of veteran guy to really compete for the starting position, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, that's what we did last year with Marcus and Tannehill, and, and the Titans found Tannehill. So I, I don't see them bringing in a, a veteran to actually compete for the starting position. Now, I think Tannehill is 31, and you're right, it is a bit of a reclamation project, so uh, maybe a little bit of lightning in a bottle there. So I think next year the Titans would consider uh, a, a quarterback in the middle rounds 
Um, maybe if things go poorly with Tannehill this year, they would consider an early quarterback. But right now, I just don't think that's the plan. I think they believe in Tannehill. And the reason for that is uh, what you're talking about with our wide zone run scheme and what Tannehill was asked to do in Miami with Adam Gase. Gase had a a, a pocket-centric uh, role for his quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all those short passes to uh, Jarvis Landry, he, he almost ran uh, like a quick passing West Coast scheme and Tannehill didn't get to utilize his athleticism enough or his strong arm. And with the Titans, what they're asking him to do is on those bootlegs, use his athleticism, which he was a former wide receiver in college. So why would you want to hinder that or, or force him to stay in the pocket? So you can use that wide zone scheme with some of that bootleg action that you see, you know, Vikings fans would know Kirk Cousins is very good at. Uh, I think Tannehill is a little bit better of an athlete, but they have a, a similar skill set there. So, you know, utilizing Tannehill in a different way than he was utilized in Miami, I think really unlocked his potential. And while you do have to be careful of some regression based on his performance and based on what we know from his career before, I think it's safe to say that Ryan Tannehill is still going to be a, a good enough quarterback to take the Titans where they need to go at the next level based on the scheme that they put him in. So one last thing, uh, and then we can kind of flip sides here. Um, uh, but so one last question. I know that, you know, Jarrell Casey for the longest time was really like the face of that defense. And he was really like a kind of face of the franchise, beloved, there forever kind of player. So he gets traded away. Who is the face of the defense? What's the identity of the defense now? Uh, you know, who, who kind of steps in and fills that role? Well, I think that the the number one player that's going to step into that role is safety Kevin Byard. Uh, Byard's one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. He was the highest paid safety when he got his extension not too long ago. Uh, he's been an interception leader in the NFL basically every season of his career outside of his rookie season. He's had, I believe, the most interceptions in the NFL since he came into the league as a rookie. And uh, he is not only just a fantastic player, but if you watch his interviews, you see his body language, you see his pregame conversations with his teammates. He's, he's a real one. Uh, he's a leader. He's a guy who's only focused on football. He's not championing and campaigning uh, out on the town or worried about things like that. It's pretty obvious from the way he talks, he's driven to be the best football player possible. And as a, a small school guy from middle Tennessee state, a local kid, he's just everything that the Titans could ever hope for. Uh, he's one of my favorite players personally on the team for his demeanor, uh, his preparation, all the, all the things that he puts into the game. You can see it on a consistent basis. Whenever the Titans are down in the dumps, he's always the guy that makes the play. And and he's grown from not only being a great player and an all-pro, but being to a, a, a leader. Same thing with Derrick Henry, as the Titans have kind of changed from the Marcus Mariota, uh, Wesley Woodyard, Jarrell Casey, Delaney Walker-led core to this new core with Tannehill and Derrick Henry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Kevin Byard. I, I think those those are the names on defense there. Simmons, who is going to take over the three-technique role for Jarrell Casey, who was an impact player as a rookie coming off an ACL tear last year. And then Kevin Byard, who's been a consistent all-pro and one of the best players in the league at safety. Those two guys are going to step up and become more more of a, a leadership role, at, not just on the field, but in the locker room as well. So it's kind of a transition period in terms of the core leaders for this Titans team. But I, I have faith that based on their talent and their personalities, it's going to take this Titans team to the next level. 
Yeah, it feels like a really exciting time, and I think that's kind of what you get when you draft really well consistently. And I think the Titans have done that. I really like the drafts they've had lately. Well, uh, but that's really all I have right now. John Robinson and the having a great general manager in the NFL is is probably the best blessing that you can have. And having yeah, John Robinson take over this team in 2016, it, it it totally changed the franchise from from top to bottom. So, got to give the credit where it's due there. Absolutely, yeah. It starts at the top. Hey guys, we are back here for our crossover edition, talking to the host of the Locked on Vikings podcast, Luke Braun. We just had the first part of our conversation where he asked me some questions about the Titans going forward. We are going to flip that conversation on its head, and I'm going to ask him a few questions about the Vikings and, and what Titans fans could be looking for in their regular season matchup coming up. As Luke mentioned in our previous segment, not 100% sure when we're going to get that schedule hopefully very very soon but we do know that the Vikings will be on there so we will just jump into a conversation about the Vikings and I wanted to start with with your offensive group obviously the the offense had a, a fantastic fantastic performance last year on the ground with Dalvin Cook running a very similar scheme to the Titans the outside zone the bootleg uh, really working on moving the pocket with Kirk Cousins just wondering do you think that the offense improved and do you think that, you know, the additions of uh, high picks like Justin Jefferson at wide receiver and Ezra Cleveland at offensive tackle, do you think they make an immediate impact? And and can you weave that into whether or not you think this offense has, has the potential to improve in 2020? Yeah, so the answers to all those questions might kind of sound like they're in conflict. So bear with me here. But no, I don't think the offense improved. I, I think losing Stefan Diggs is a huge, huge blow to the offense in the short term. Obviously, he came back with a first round pick. You get Justin Jefferson with that. And that kind of uh, heals the burn a little bit. But it, losing Stefan Diggs is massive. He's a huge uh, inaccuracy eraser. And sometimes you can use that to be inaccurate on purpose to kind of get around tight coverage. Um, you, Justin Jefferson's very good at that, but Stefan Diggs is one of the best guys like that in the league. He's just explosive, dynamic playmaker. Was really a lot of the identity of the offense was deep shots to Stefan Diggs, and you can't exactly do that to Justin Jefferson, especially because the kind of deal with him is that he was a slot for LSU and they really didn't move him outside. So you didn't get to see him a lot against like press man. And so you don't know, even though he's like, I think he's like six foot two, he's like a big body guy. Can you put him on the outside against a press man corner? There's going to be a question mark there. Um, and, and they really liked to put Stefan Diggs outside and have him run a deep post and see if he couldn't, you know, go get a 60 yard touchdown. And he did plenty. That was a big part of the explosiveness of the Vikings offense. Um, and I think Ezra Cleveland, it sounds like he is going to play right away. Um, he might not be ready right away, but uh, I don't know if they have much of a choice. Last year, Pat Elfline started at guard. He was below replacement level um, and, and was one of the worst uh, interior linemen in the league. They can't just trot him back out there again. That would be completely unfair to Cousins and the, and, and the, the offense as a whole. So now they've got Riley Reef and Ezra Cleveland. They could move Cleveland inside to guard. They've talked to him about that. They've talked to Riley Reef about moving inside to guard in the past. And I think in whatever kind of training camp you get this year, which is, of course, going to be kind of weird with COVID-19, but whatever you get uh, for a training camp, you'll be able to move those guys around, see which one you want to be your left guard, and the other one gets to stay at left tackle. 
Um, and and I'm sh- I, I think that's going to be your most likely configuration. So yeah, these guys are going to come in and play right away to answer your original question, but I don't think that that makes the offense better. You've got a rookie starting on the line right away. You've got a rookie starting in place of one of the best receivers in football. I don't think you can call that a, a unit that's improved. Yeah, that that seems like a a fair evaluation, and I know that a lot of people just want to hear, you know, nothing but positive things. But yeah, in my evaluation, looking at the team, that does make sense. I can't say obviously the deep post to Diggs is a weapon, and I have a very close friend who's a Vikings fan, and we talked about you know replacement receivers, and I was curious about the fit with Jefferson because he's more of a slot guy, which Thielen obviously dominates, and we don't see him outside taking deep shots too. So that that's you basically took my next question with that evaluation and then you know talking about Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill at tackle which one may transition to guard if they need that so that is a, a very fair and honest evaluation and Titans fans obviously know about Dalvin Cook but that's some good inside information about the inner workings of the offense that the team obviously relies a lot on defense head coach Mike Zimmer obviously a defensive background especially in the secondary and that's where my questions about the defense are going to start because we know that the front seven has been a, a very solid front seven for quite some time time unless you you're starting to see some cracks in the upcoming year but that secondary lost a few key members uh Mackenzie Alexander Xavier Rhodes and added some some good rookies with Cam Dantzler and Jeff Gladney who was a Titans fan favorite I guess just talk about uh in a similar vein do you think the defense has improved at all and how excited are you for the new young additions to the secondary when maybe some of the older players like Rhodes and Mackenzie were maybe not playing as well as they had in previous years. Yeah, so I, I really, really hated what happened with the Vikings in free agency. I thought they approached it in a re- with a really uh, poor strategy, and I think you're seeing that right now. They have about $8 million in cap. They could have spent that on Mackenzie Alexander. They could have spent that on somebody uh, like – Oh, I'm trying to think of like edge rushers or somebody like Shelby Harris or something like that. Um, and they didn't, they kept, uh, they, they let guys like Nikel Roby Coleman go, even though they only would have had to outbid somebody by like 500,000 more dollars. Uh, and they were very, very, very tight with their coin purse. And now, uh, they're, they're sitting there with $8 million and kind of nobody to spend it on. And so I think that they kind of bungled that. But in terms of the actual young players, I love the, in contrast, I love the draft. I, I'm a huge fan of the way that they drafted. Jeff Gladney was a favorite of mine. Um, I, I think he's just a deep ball eraser. He, he's got recovery speed. He attacks the ball so well at the catch point. He's 5'10", but he plays like he's about six foot four. Um, and and I, I think that's great. He is just a bully in press. So is Cam Dantzler. Uh, Cam Dantzler is a very weird case. There's a really good uh, article at The Athletic by uh, Arif Hassan who uh, writes for them about how weird Cam Dantzler's like combine was. He ran a 4.6440. That's abysmal. But he might have had some mitigating factors there. He might have been injured, but he ran it twice, and that's weird. I kind of think he showed up uh, overweight. Uh, he's a, a really skinny guy. He probably plays at about 180, which is tiny for a corner. So I think he tried to put on some weight for the combine and it ended up being a lot of bad weight. He had a high body fat index there and then he ran slow and he didn't jump very high. So, you know, lose the weight and you're probably back to the way you were on tape and everybody's really uh, impressed by his tape. Can he start day one? I, I don't think so for uh, Cam Dantzler. I think unquestionably for Jeff Gladney. And then it's a matter of, do you want to put him in the slot? I think you want to put Gladney outside, have him press guys, have him, uh, you know, cover deep threats and stuff. Keep Mike Hughes, who's like your only starting returning corner, keep him in the nickel. And then on the other side, you have a a competition between Holton Hill out of Texas, 
who uh, fell out of the draft because of some off-field issues, most of them involving marijuana, which is a much smaller problem now, although he did have a PED bust and sat out half of 2019. Um and, and Cam Dantzler, and you have the uh, competition there, and I would love to maybe go add some Dre Kirkpatrick at a vet minimum maybe to, to help that out. Um, in terms of the front seven, they lost Everson Griffin. That was the only like major loss I think that hurts. Um, of course, Linval Joseph hurts too, but he is, I think, like 32, and he had very clearly begun to lose a step. I think that was reflected in his deal with the Chargers being about half the size that it would have been with uh, the Vikings. And then they replaced him with Michael Pierce, who arguably was better anyways, uh, at a much cheaper price tag. So uh, the interesting guy to watch for the Vikings is Ifadi Odenipo. He was a seventh round pick in 2017. He's an edge rusher, a real power guy. Um, He actually didn't make the team. They tried to move him inside to three technique. It didn't work out. He got cut. He ends up taking a, a journey through Arizona and Cleveland before ending up back with the Vikings. They said, hey, we won't move you inside anymore and we'll outpay you. Come to our practice squad instead. Uh, 2019, he makes a team. He actually ends up rotating in and getting like eight sacks or something. He actually got a defensive touchdown in LA against the Chargers. Um, and I think he's basically slotted in to be the starter right now, unless he has, you know, he'll have to beat out like a fourth round pick in DJ Wanham out of uh, South Carolina, I think. But that's probably a battle that he wins with flying colors. So he is going to be the next uh, defensive end that comes out of nowhere that you've never heard of with Andre Patterson. They also lost Jerry Gray as a defensive backs coach. He's been there since uh, the Mike Zimmer era started and has a huge, huge, huge impact on the defensive backs that have come out of there and he leaves and he goes to green bay to go coach for the rivals so that's unfortunate too oh yeah that really hurts it's funny that you say that because the the two things i was getting ready to reply to immediately as you answered your your you ended your answer was how well the vikings seem to produce cornerbacks long cornerbacks on the outside and then edge rushers that you they're not high picks they're not people that you've necessarily heard of but the vikings seem to have a factory going there when at those two positions at least but that kind of leads me into my last question for you and the the kind of cap uh, on our discussion here, I guess if the, if the Titans or when the Titans and the Vikings face off, where do you really see the game kind of swaying for the Vikings or the Titans? Do you think right now, based on you, how you see the roster playing out that, that the Vikings would come out with that victory? Or do you think that the Titans have the upper hand, I guess, as things sit now many months away from actual kickoff? Uh, thinking about it from the Vikings perspective, I think there's there's two big things. For one, wide zone teams absolutely crushed the defense. The, uh, the wide zone run game crushed the Vikings defense in the playoffs against San Francisco. They couldn't figure out figure it out in either game against Green Bay. So can you figure it out on defense? You, you run it really well on offense, but can the defense figure out how to stop it? That's one huge thing. And I think the other huge thing is how do you stop A.J. Brown when you're uh, too – main corners are five foot 10. That's going to be the thing. So it might be like a Jeff Gladney versus AJ Brown kind of thing, which uh, is a, a fun, I, I, th- I think they played, <laughs> I, I seem to remember a TCU Ole Miss game back in the day, but anyways, the, the big matchup is going to be, what do you do with AJ Brown? Do you put a five foot 10 guy on him? Do you put Cameron Dantzler on him? Who is like a, a who's built like a stick um, you know, do you put Holton Hill on him? Who's still relatively unproven. And I think if Zimmer can figure out how to neutralize a guy like AJ Brown, they'll have a pretty good run defense with the addition of like Michael Pierce. They have good right. run fits, great linebackers with Kendricks and Barr. Uh, so I, I think the, the Derek Henry thing is going to be a strength on strength, but I think the puzzle for the Vikings to solve is, is AJ Brown. You know, I, I just have to say, 
as a person who follows the Titans and has for two plus decades now, to hear you talk about a Titans wide receiver as an actual issue in your mind is just such a, a refreshing uh, feeling. You know, we we've been. Uh, I guess the opposite of Vikings fans for the last few few years haven't had a good receiver in what feels like forever, literally forever since since the franchise moved to Tennessee. So it, it is a pleasant, pleasant, uh, you know, sound to hear you discuss a wide receiver on the Titans as such a threat. But I really appreciate the conversation that we have had today. You were taking time to you know give this information on the Vikings to Titans fans. Luke, it has been a pleasure speaking with you, and I look forward to our conversation in season as well. Yeah, of course. Of course I'm high on A.J. Brown. He won me a fantasy league last year. Oh, well, that's going to do it. There, there, is no, uh, there is no stronger bond than a <laughs> fantasy football owner and one of his key players on a title run. There, there's nothing better than that. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, also from Tennessee, enjoy Tajay Sharp as your third wide receiver. He, uh, yeah. he won't be as quick and as fast as you want, but in the red zone, he can really help out. So Titans yeah, yeah, fans uh, a, mostly enjoyed his third down you know, just yep. run a quick dig and get me seven yards kind of guy. Yes, absolutely. And, and a lot of times when the Titans really needed it, he was a reliable pair of hands. So sad to see him go, but understand the cap mechanisms that make rosters work in the NFL. But either way, Luke, great conversation. Obviously, be safe out there. Take care of yourself. And uh, thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for hanging out, man. Yep, have a good one. So a good conversation there with Luke Braun from the Locked on Vikings podcast. Go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Also the Locked on Vikings Twitter account. While you're there, follow the one and only, your guy, the host of the Locked on Titans podcast, me, at Tic Tac Titans. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show. We are going to be doing more of these division crossovers throughout the next two weeks. Uh, as I mentioned on Twitter on Sunday night, had some scheduling issues uh, with Luke and myself being in different time zones and things like that. Uh, made it a little difficult to get together, so that's why the show came out in the afternoon today on Monday rather than in the morning. I know a lot of you guys love the morning show for your morning commute. I understand completely and typically I am right on with you guys. Christmas week, New Year's Day, Every holiday, I'm always pumping it out, so I hope, uh, obviously, it didn't throw off or rock the boat too much this morning, but we will be back on a normal schedule for the rest of the week, and you will have your Locked on Titans podcast right there for you in the morning, as always, but that is going to do it for today's show. Talked about the fifth-year options, the decisions that the Titans made on those. Also had that conversation with Luke. Now that you're done with this episode of the Locked on Titans podcast, check out the Locked on NFL podcast for all of your national NFL news, but that is going to do it for me today. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland. And this was Locked on Titans.